I do want to add, I'm sure it's already happened in Melbourne and here, but we're honouring our fathers today and a big, a, a big happy Father's Day to all of our dads, granddads, great-granddads, spiritual dads and dads-to-be. And uh, Melbourne, we announced this a little bit earlier, but it's just, it's kind of so much going on here today. But in our service here, uh, we've got two guys who, for me, and I love this, I've got a, a wonderful uh, natural father. I'll tell you a little bit about him later on. But over the years, God gives you not just natural fathers, but father figures, people who uh, champion you, believe in you, uh, pour, pour God into you, wisdom, practical things. And two uh, father figures in my life who have been influential over the years are in the house today. One is Pastor Simon McIntyre and one is Pastor Graham Fletcher. And it is great to have you both with us. So Fletch Melbourne is the original uh, founder of C3, started our church back in 1992 with his beautiful wife, Pat, and uh, took a risk on a couple of young kids in their 20s. And uh, we wouldn't be doing what, we would be, what we're doing right now if it wasn't for their faith in us, their encouragement of us, their empowerment of us, they're taking risks on us. So happy Father's Day. Great to have you here. It's going to be an emotional day for me. I can feel it already. Uh, and Simon, who for many years has been uh, putting faith and encouragement and wisdom into pastors all around the globe, uh, is, has been that father figure for me as well. And I appreciate your love, Simon, and your wisdom and want to honor you today. So can we put our hands together? Pastor Simon McIntyre. An original Melbourne in our service today would start at C3 with Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle back in 1980. So we've got some legends in the room. And there, there, are, there are week in, week out, just men of God. And, and I, I, I want you to think, and we're going to talk about dads a bit. And, and this can be both wonderful and painful at the same time for many people. And I rec- I, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I love what God places in the house of God. The Bible says he places the solitary in families. And in the house of God, he gives us father figures. He gives us people who represent his love. When we haven't had a good father who's shown us what God's really like, he gives us father figures. And, and you know, some of them are actually quite young. Some of them are younger than us. That's radical, isn't it? Having a father figure younger than you. But, but for me, there's lots of like older brothers in church, but particularly I was thinking about it today. Um, the, uh, Ken Appleton and Ian Dimmon are two guys who for uh, over a decade have just... Encourage me, loved on me, put love into me, and I want to honor you both for your love and your wisdom and regular encouragement. And to all of the amazing dads, I think in Melbourne, of someone like David Prentice, you just pour love in, and, and into the guys, and, and just different ones around the place, like Dan's, Dan and Eb's dad, Rod and Neil, so many people, Russell Smith, great dads in our church. We're blessed, aren't we? So come on, give, give a bit of a round of applause for all of the dads. I've got a little photo of my dad. Hopefully we can put this one up. This is me and my dad, and we're having a little challenge with some photos, so we've got it. Okay, this is me and my dad at my 21st birthday. All right. I know. The stripes are in. Okay, stripes are in, as were leather belts, uh, but played leather belts. But my dad uh, is a farmer. He's a missionary, uh, a lay preacher in a local church, never was on staff, but always had a passion for God. And I've I'm, I'm got great memories of my dad, kicking the footy around with my dad as a kid. We, had, we lived on a farm, so daylight savings, you'd go out and we would mow lawns, uh, we'd mow cricket pitches into the big paddock and play till 10 o'clock at night. And my dad would get out there and join us. Uh, he, he has had a great impact on my life. He was 54 when I was born. So there's plenty of time for some of you fellows here today. Just saying, plenty of time for a few more. 
Absolutely. All right. So, so I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful for my dad. And I wrote a little, little blog about him yesterday. But just his example of humility, of being a godly man, has, has impacted me deeply. And I'll touch a little bit later on my dad. Also, want to encourage dads. I've done it here, but Melbourne, uh, dad's jokes are an important part of your role. So I've just got a couple because it's Father's Day. What would it be, church, without this? So. Uh, my, aunt, my wife asked me, did I want to be buried or cremated? I said, cremated. She said, why? I said, it's my last hope for a smoking hot body. Okay, all right, moving along. Uh, my wife was livid when I said I'd put all our savings into the stock of bows. I said, just relax, it's a sound investment. Uh, not bad, not bad. Sound, bows, bows, speakers. Okay, have you got to explain it's not good? Here we go. Now, I don't know what Father's Day means to you, and I don't know, what, don't know what memories that it brings up for you, but for some of us, there'll be lots of joy in our memories. For others, there'll be lots of pain. And it's, it's okay to acknowledge those. Uh, all of our dads, all of us, will have levels of guilt, whether you're a dad or we've all, we're all children of a dad, will have a level of, of guilt, if you're a dad, about the, the things that you're not good at and the regrets that you've had and the guilt that you carry. And that, that's a normal part of being a dad. You're going to have, uh, I call them father gaps. There's just gaps. There's things that we wish we were better at, but we're not good at them. And, we, and dads, just don't compare yourself to other people because you've got strengths and you've got, you've got abilities and you've got things that you can do that, that is you. But we, all of us are going to have gaps. That's, that's the nature of humanity. That's why we need a heavenly father. Because all of us, the best thing we can do as a dad is connect our children to a heavenly father who has no gaps. He's perfect. And he'll fill the gaps that we've left in our children's lives. And our gaps will leave us a crack in the soul of our children, just as our parents' gaps have left some levels of crack in our soul that over a period of our life, we have to go on a journey of discovering what those cracks are and how God can bring healing into them. But for some of us, our fathers didn't just have gaps. Out of their own brokenness and their own upbringing and their own pain, they didn't just have gaps, they actually mistreated us. And this ends up in not just gaps, but wounds in our soul, father wounds. Whether they were neglectful, whether they were harsh, whether they were absent, whether they were abusive, these father wounds mark us deeply. And for many of you, deep really deeply so the journey of recognizing that we have wounds and gaps and how they've affected us and how they've shaped us is a really important journey coming to a place of recognizing forgiving releasing pain coming to a place of acceptance and letting god's perfect love pour into our hearts is one of the most powerful and beautiful journeys that all of us need to go on. If you don't face the wounds, the father wounds that we have and the father gaps, it will, it will ultimately cause pain. It'll haunt you. It'll affect your relationships. It'll affect your identity. It'll affect your health, mental, emotional, spiritual. It'll drive you to become toxic and unhealthy in the way that you live your life. So facing our father wounds and father gaps is a really important journey. And that's not actually what I'm going to talk about today. Some of you are like, Phew. We're going to actually take a month in the month of October 
to do a series called Our Father in Heaven. And we're going to look at our Heavenly Father. We're going to look at His love for us. We're going to look at how different that is to so many of our own experience. And through our connect groups and churches over a month, we're going to dig deep so that the love of God can wash into our heart. But today is a little bit of a teaser for that. Today I want to talk about my father's house. My father's house. Jesus in Luke chapter 2 verse 49, as a youngster, got left behind. Parents had left him behind. How many of you have left your kids behind at church on a Sunday? We've done it. Okay, this was a few days. This is a few days. And they realized that Jesus wasn't with all the cousins and they turned around and go back to discover him in Jerusalem in the temple having deep conversations with the teachers of the law. And Jesus was kind of bewildered that they were annoyed at him and that they didn't realize where he was. He says, why did you need to search? Don't you know that I must be in my father's house? Luke chapter 15 talks about the prodigal son, or the father doesn't call him the prodigal son, but we do. And he's a a young son, and the the parable goes like this. He sold all, uh, he gave away, uh, no, he got his inheritance early, and then he blew it on parties and prostitutes and reckless living, and ended up in a a pit uh, feeding pigs and eating the food of the pigs, and all his friends deserted him. And the Bible says he came to his senses, and he said, even in my father's house, the servants are treated better than I am right now. And in that moment of awareness of the father's house, and what it was like in that parable, he turned and made his way back to his father. My father's house. The reason I want to preach about this today, and I'm going to actually, normally I'm I'm quite uh, under the radar and don't explain all of why, but I've got three reasons. Let Let me let you into the three reasons I want to speak about my father's house today. Number one is I recognize that we've got a lot of, lot of dads in our church. Come on, dads. We love you. Give me a, ooh, come on, dads. Come on, wow, a little bit. Ooh, ooh, come on, let's go. There you go. That's a little better. Melbourne, you're sounding good. We've got a lot of dads, and I want to, I want to help shape your fatherhood from the Word of God. Okay, because if your role model hasn't been good, you need a new role model. And the Word of God is where we start to get our wisdom for fatherhood. The second thing is, I want to speak into the culture of C3 Powerhouse, our father's house. That our church would be a place where there are spiritual fathers, where there's an atmosphere where people encounter the love of the Father, but through you and I. And the third is, I want to help you to connect to your Heavenly Father, who's amazing. He's perfect. And he's holy, and this will give us a little bit of an insight. I want to look at what the role of a father is, and there's a number of roles that I could have chosen. Uh, I could could have chosen training and discipline, and t- and, t- and teaching our children, which is absolutely a very pivotal biblical part of being a father. But that's not so much what I want to talk about. I want to talk about one thing that I believe our heavenly father does that is a role of every dad and every spiritual dad. And it comes out of Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, but we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Uh, This is one of my favorite scriptures. And I've got a lot of favorite scriptures. But this is one of my favorite scriptures. God, in his kindness through salvation, when Jesus cleansed us and made us righteous so that we could have a relationship with him, 
And if you're here today, or you're in Melbourne, or you're watching online, you don't have a relationship with God, I want to help you to connect with the God who loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, shed His blood that you could be cleansed from all your sin. The God who made us right, the first thing He did in our making us right is He gave us the Holy Spirit to live in our heart. And at the top of the job description of the Holy Spirit in our life is to pour His love into your heart and my heart. To pour our Father's heart, our love into our heart. So it gives me an indication right there. If that's a premium role of the Holy Spirit on our Father's behalf, well, what would you say a really important role of dad is? I'd say it's to pour love into our children's heart. So fathers, if you want the start of your job description, if we want to describe a culture that a church should have, our Father's house. If you want to know what God's like, then it's this. It's the goal is to pour love into our children. Pour love into our children. Psalm 103 verse 13 said, The Lord is like a father to his children. I love these next two words. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Your heavenly father's tender and compassionate. Does that mean he's soft and wishy and got little soft hands? No. You can be strong and tough and, you know, you can be a man's man, but be tender and compassionate, and that's God's goal for us. I believe a wise dad and a wise spiritual father will understand, well, how do I pour love into my children? And a good starting place for that is to realize that our children are all very different. And uh, I don't know, how many of you have read uh, The Five Love Languages? Can you give me a wave if you've read The Five Love Now, okay, number one tip for you today, homework, is if you've never read The Five Love Languages, go home and read it. There's actually one about you, for your children, but go home and read it and get an understanding that, and this is, you know, it's just based on counseling and research, but that, that people will have um, usually two premium love languages out of five is the way that they receive love. And therefore, if you receive love in a certain way, you'll automatically give love that way, but it might be a mishit on your child who's got a different love language. So the journey for each of us as, as dads and parents and those of us in the house of God is to go, how do I pour love into my children and how do we pour love into God's children as they come into C3 Powerhouse and how do, we, how do we receive God's love on multiple different levels realizing we're all different see I'm a hugger I'm a physical touch guy we're going to talk about that soon but some of you you're like oh don't come near me your worst moment on a Sunday is when it's turned to your neighbor and say hi you're like you're eating into my introvert time please your greatest delight is to find a seat with no one on either side of you at church. You're like, best ever. COVID was God's great gift to you, to sit at home in bed and not even have to turn to any neighbors. It was your beautiful moment. But does that mean if you've got a child whose love language is physical touch, you can go, it's just not how I'm wired. No, no, no. We have to adjust along the journey. So let's look at some of these love languages and have a little bit of look at how this works. The first one I want to talk about is quality time. Quality time. Kids spell love T-I-M-E. That's how kids spell love. You've probably heard the story of the little boy 
who asked his father, who was a busy executive one day, he said to his father, this little eight-year-old boy, Dad, how much an hour do you get paid? His dad's like, oh, that's an unusual question for my son to ask me that. I'm a bit surprised that he's taking an interest, but he told him. The next day, his son came up to him at, at table and he was a bit frazzled, but he said, Dad, I, I need a loan. And he told him how much money he needed. I just need a loan. And his dad's like, you've got enough money. We take care of all your needs. Go to your room. He got angry at him. Sent him off to his room. After a little while, he began to be remorseful. And he thought, I didn't handle that well. So his heart softened and he goes into his son's room and apologized and said, sorry, daddy's tired and cranky and I didn't respond. And, and here's the money you asked for for a loan. And his son goes, face lit up. He goes, awesome. And then out of his pillow, he pulls out all this other money and he puts it together. And, he, and, he, and his father's like, well, why did you, well, you've got that much money. Why did you need a loan? And he said, well, I didn't have enough, but I do now. This is how much you get paid an hour. Could you come home early from work tomorrow and spend dinner with us? I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Quality time. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Make it a priority to find ways to include your kids in your world and to spend time with your kids. Spiritual dads, that's you as well. I, I, I love... Uh, there was a, a, a few years where my son Mitchell went through, we like to call it a building his testimony years. Uh, he was, he was kind of hanging around church and was good with us and we would hang out, but he was away from God and he was being a rat bag. And I, I was deeply grateful during that time. We kept pressing in and showing as much love as we could and quality time, but I was deeply grateful for a guy in our church called Carl. And Carl actually goes to a church closer to his home now. But during that season, God put it on his heart. And he would ring Mitch up and say, I want to go and have a coffee. And then he would just go and regularly have a coffee and talk to him and buy him a coffee and get interested and laugh and tell him how awesome he was. And, and what I want you to know about this is Carl, he didn't have a title called, uh, you know, Chaser of the Prodigals. He wasn't an official leader in the church. He was just being a spiritual dad. And spiritual dads don't need an invitation to look out for and be interested in someone and give them, give them some words of encouragement or to, to go and take them out and spend time with them. In fact, sometimes that's the, that's the voice that will get in to our young people. I'm so grateful for all our youth team, all our young adults team who spend time, quality time, some of them picking up kids and driving them home all over the place. But... Time is really important. Quality time. It doesn't all have to be serious quality time. In fact, Dad, sometimes the greatest gift you can give to your kids and that we can have in, in church is fun. Yeah. It's laughter. And, and you, now some of you, you, don't have to, you have to focus on being a little more serious, and that's okay. But being fun is a great gift to your children. Whether it's, and you just got to work out what's, your, what's the grace of God for bringing fun into your house. In our house, it's competitiveness. It's rapping. I've, I've just, you know, I'm blessed. I don't know why, but I've always just rapped with my kids. Or, or dad's jokes. And I make a point of researching dad's jokes to share with my children. I've got another one. Just Here's another one for you. I hired a handyman, gave him a to-do to list. When I got home, he'd only done items one, three, and five. Turns out he only does odd jobs. There it is, see? Just... Quality time, make them laugh. That's just, that's the thing. Okay, number two of the five love languages is words of affirmation. 
Now, God demonstrated this so incredibly. This is Jesus, Son of God, walking on earth, gets baptized. The Bible captures this, another of my favorite verses, Luke 3, 22. It says, And the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. That's words that the soul of every son and daughter needs to hear from their father. Now, if other people say them, it's okay, but it does not, it only has a portion of the weight because that's the way we're wired to hear those words from our father. And Jesus heard them. Now, I love it. He heard them publicly. So other people heard the voice. So as a dad now, okay, I, I get it. I get it. I can't, my dad was from the generation that didn't express things ver- verbally. That was a father gap that I grew up with and I had to encounter God to fill that gap in my life. But it's never too late. I want to say that to some dads here today who are struggling with guilt over your fatherhood. It's just never too late. It's never too late to write an apology letter and to read it out. It's never too late to tell your kids, you're my daughter, you're my son, and I just want to know that you bring me great joy. I'm proud of you. There's three phrases that every child needs to hear from their dad. One is, I love you. Two is, I'm proud of you. And three is, you bring me great joy. Or another version says, I'm pleased with you. Now, if you've never heard that from your dad, I want to say something over you today from your heavenly father as a spiritual father over your life. Number one, I love you and he loves you. I'm proud of you and he's proud of you. And you bring him and me Great joy. Great joy. Now, it might take a year of hearing that for your soul to start to believe it. But once you learn to receive the love of God, it will change everything. Words of affirmation. My dad wasn't great at it. We went on a journey of, uh, you know, I kind of, I just decided because I hadn't learned how to do it properly and, and I'd feel these, this love in my heart kind of, I don't know, like emotionally constipated. Is that a word? <laughs> like I, I want to say it, but I don't know how to get it out. All right, leave that analogy right there. Let's just move on, all right, to the other side. And so I'd find this, I've got this love and these feelings and I want to express them, but I don't really know how. And then what it ends up, you just make jokes or you just make silly comments. But then you go away going, oh. So I just had to learn to write things down and to say it awkward. Like not natural. Some of you are natural verbal affirmers and it's awesome. But some of us haven't been and so it's a journey. And so for me to tell my dad I loved him over the phone was a massive deal. And to, to, tell, to, to go out of my way and say these are the things that I love about you. This, developing this as a habit, even, even on Father's Day, dads, what a great thing. It's not just all about you, but for you to go to your kids and go, I've been thinking about you. Start it with a text. But the power comes when you verbalize it. And you go, hey, I, just, I know this is weird, but I want to say some things to you today. And read it and do it awkward and let it 
sit on their soul in a healthy way. The way it ended up for me so beautifully is when my dad passed away, I was there with him in the hospital and, and I was reading Psalms to him. I was so grateful for, for him and his love and encouragement and, and he would express his joy to me. Never really got to saying I love you, but he would say, I, I, he'd say bless you, which I just interpreted in my mind as love you. So my dad would just say bless you, bless you. And I got him to pray for me when I, just before he passed away and he prayed this uh, such a beautiful prayer that feel, I could feel the gaps in my life filling even in this moment. He just prayed, I'm just, God, I just want to thank you for John and for the privilege of raising him and all that stuff. It was good because even I would have been in my late 30s, 40s probably at that point, I still needed to hear it. You and I, we need to hear it. And God says it. So we need to be a church who who finds people and says, I love you. Who finds people and says, I'm proud of you. Finds people and says, you bring me great joy. It's what the house of God, my father's house should be all about. Words of affirmation. The next one is physical contact. Are we doing okay today? How many physical contact people have we got in the room? You love physical contact? All right, fantastic. Just rub your neighbor on the shoulder or something. So when your kids, you'll, you'll tell quite, you know, some of them will just, I just want to come and sit on your lap and they want you to snuggle in bed and, and they want you to be there physically present and there's something about your touch. And studies have shown this over and over again with babies, the power of human touch. There's something about human touch that, that meets the need of your soul to feel loved and accepted. That's why abuse from a father figure is the worst kind of thing. Because someone who should be showing love is doing the opposite. That's a journey of healing to go on. Another of my favorite scriptures, getting a few out today, is out of the prodigal son. Luke 15 verse 20 says, the father who's waiting for his son to come home. Let me paint the picture. He's waiting for his son. His son has got one, one lot of clothing left. It stinks. It smells of pigs, which is the worst kind of smell. It smells of slop. He hasn't clothed. He hasn't brushed his teeth. He hasn't washed. And he decides that he's going to turn around and come home. And his father's been waiting for this day and praying. And this is a picture of your heavenly father. It's a picture of God in heaven. It says, so he got up and went to his father. And he's got this spiel ready. He's going to apologize and tell him he doesn't deserve to be a son. Or I'm, going to become a, I'm going to become a servant in the house just so that I can get some food and clothing. And I want to be in my father's house. And this is what it says. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. So his father was watching. I love this. Was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Oh, I love this. There's a wiring in your heavenly father for big hugs. I love that Pastor Chris Pringle has created a culture for C3 globally, and it's one of our values for our teams called the big hug, that, that my father's house would be a place where people will come. And yeah, I know hugs aren't appropriate for everybody, but hugs, whether it's a, a physical hug or a, a, touch on, a high five or a touch on the shoulder or a handshake, but there's something about hugs. Uh, so my son Mitchell's here. Come on over here, Mitch. I'm going to use you for a live example. So Melbourne, this is Mitch. He's 24. He's been married a year. He's awesome. This is my son, whom I love. 
who gives me great joy and I'm proud of him. So he's awesome. So I, I, we, we hug a lot. Mitch has got the physical touch thing going on, but I do the same with all of our kids. And it, I've just done this for years. When, when I see him, when he was being a rat bag, when he was being not so much a rat bag, when he's being good, when he and Toby were at McDonald's in little animal suits, uh, busting McDonald's things down as 12-year-olds, Toby wearing a onesie thinking no one knew what you were doing, all of that. A father brings discipline, which is boundaries and consequences, but consequences are never, you're in the naughty corner and I'm disconnecting from you. Consequences go with love. We only give consequences because we love. We only give discipline, we give boundaries and bonding simultaneously. But I love, I love Mitch and I, I love, I, this picture's always been in my mind is to hug and to just give him a big kiss on the neck. And I always love you. You're awesome. Love you. Well, good. Great, great demonstration. Thank you so much. Simple. The big hug. It's not creepy. It's powerful. It's not weird. Now, if you make it weird, stop it. I love on our dream for the decade. There's a, it's a big hug moment with John Owen in Melbourne. As, as someone comes into church and he meets them at the door and he's just giving them this big hug and I'm like, that's it. That's it. It's just, the, the Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. Some of you are like, holy no. <laughs> but a hug. Caesarie Powerhouse, our father's house is a hugging kind of house. Now, it doesn't, now, I'm not going to impose hugging on you. you don't, and just a little tip, we don't kiss on the lips. Okay? Whatever country you're from, it's not cool here. It's just not what we do. And, and guys, when we hug girls, we don't squeeze them into ourselves. And vice versa. We just, you know, you know I don't need to explain why. You get it, right? Just... Side hugs are awesome. Fellas do the A-frames, and you know why, but I won't explain that either. Quick two, taps on the back. Long hugs. My father's house is a hugging house. And I want you to, like I, one of my favorite things on a Sunday is to get in the car park. And if you ever want a hug, just tell me you want a hug. If you ever need a hug from a father because you, your father's never hugged you and you've never felt loved or safe or you've just had a tough week, me and a whole lot of other guys around here would love to give you a father's safe, non-creepy, God's for you hug. My father's house. And I'll try not to push past your boundaries. We'll try and respect them. So just go and give me a high five if you're like... Just quickly, like, hey, and we'll respect that. Two more. Physical touch. Or can I just say, dads, when your kids become teenagers, particularly your daughters, they will pretend they don't want hugs, but they're really testing you. Hug them. Chase them around the house. Hug them. It's just a test. 
They want to know. They deep down, they desire your hug. And hot tip, if you don't, some other peanut will. Public affection, private affection, physical touch. Acts of service is number four. As a, my wife's, one of her love languages is acts of service. It's like one of the most time consuming ones. How easy would just words of affirmation be? Oh, you're awesome, babe, fantastic, have a great day, you're great, see you later. <laughs> acts of service, come on, really? But we're talking about parenting right now. So that means acts of service is being present, doing stuff. Acts of service is driving your kid to the netball or the footy. Acts of service is driving them to youth when you're tired on a Friday night. Can I encourage you, dads, car time is one of the best times for your teenagers. It's awesome. Acts of service is... Yes, it's providing. Dads provide. Working hard, doing a job that you don't really like because it's putting food on the table. That's an act of service. But don't just leave it at that. Acts of service means praying for your family. I I think that's probably one of the great humbling of ourselves that we can do as dads. We have a spiritual authority to pray protection over our families. I've got another photo of my dad this is one that marked me. It's, it's an image. I took it because I wanted this image to mark me as a dad. So this is my dad in Toowoomba early in the morning. He's a dairy farmer. But I would come out of my room maybe six or earlier and, and you, you can't see it, but there's a wood stove over here. It's freezing cold. At the bottom is a bread warmer where you'd leave the bread that you cooked in the bread warmer to keep it warm. So I would come out and my dad would have the bread warmer open with the oven on and his feet in the bread warmer because he just got cold. So, but he'd always be reading that living Bible. I've got a copy of it up on my shelf upstairs. And he'd pray, and I could hear him praying for us. And the, the, it made a determination in my heart that my kids, when they get up in the morning, they would hear me pray, and they would see me read the Bible, and they would see me create an, an atmosphere. And I don't read my Bible on an iPad for the reason I want them to see me reading the Bible. It's just, I want, to me... That's an act of service. Praying for my family. I'm bringing them before God. I'm praying. Job was, and his family, before his test, the devil said, of course I can't get, a, get to him because he's got a hedge of protection around his family. Where did that come from? The Bible said Job offered sacrifices daily for his family. He prayed. And when you pray, a hedge of protection gets around your family. Doesn't mean that attacks don't happen, but they're protected by God. So that's an act of service for those of us as dads can do. Men in kids' church. I love this thought. I love this thought that our kids would come to church. So this is the house of God. And the house of God is a representation of God. And I love the idea that that when kids come to church and they go into kids' church, that there's at least every week a couple of dads who are fun dads, who are not weird dads, who are worshipping dads, who are warrior kind of dads, who kick the soccer ball around. and, And if they're your kids and they see you in there active and involved, I love the fact that that's part of the culture of who we are as a church, that we're a kid friendly church and dads set the standard that this is going to be an awesome morning. 
and I'm bringing my kids to the house of God. Last one is gifts. That's a really quick, easy one to do. That would also be a great one. I feel like chocolate's the sixth one. I'm not sure. How many feel chocolate's the sixth love language? Anyone got that love language? Every gift, James 1 verse 17. Every gift God gives freely, freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness is never subject to change. Dads, with our families, let's be generous, not stingy. Bible says a good father leaves an inheritance for his children. Doesn't blow it all. Leaves it for his kids. Part of the goal of a good dad is to leave an inheritance. Not just an inheritance, but a heritage. Generosity turns people's hearts towards you and towards God. Last story. When Mitchell was in that little few-year phase, I love this. We're praying for him every day for God moments. It's all right. You can handle it. And he was walking back from work one day and he ran into a pastor who was visiting our church. It's just like this, and he wasn't coming to church that weekend. And the pastor grabbed him and said, come with me. And he took him back into a clothing store and spent a couple of hundred dollars on just buying in clothes. And that gift softened and opened up his heart. Good gifts, thoughtful gifts, heal wounds. Open hearts, turn people towards God. It's not like we have to pick two or five. God calls us to be gracious in all of them. But the ultimate gift that he's given to us is Jesus because of his great love. Can we close our eyes right now? I'm going to hand back to Dan Frecker in Melbourne in just a moment. And in just a moment, we're going to open up the altar and there's going to be an opportunity I want to, I'm going to ask some of the men who are on the prayer team in Melbourne, the men here on the prayer team, to pray for, for you, if you'd like it, for one of three things. Maybe you just want God's love to pour into your heart. Maybe there's been a father wound in your life or gap that's really you haven't got through. And you want God's healing power, so His love or His healing power. Or maybe just simply you just want to come and ask for a father's hug when we open up the altar. I want us to do that in Melbourne as well. We're going to sing. We're going to open up the altar. So handing back to you, Dan, right now. God bless you.